This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. What's up, guys? We're live. We are joined uh, by a great guest here in just a little bit that we are going to talk about some fun topics as we search in what I call the oasis for what Brown's topics you can you can you know bring to light at this point. It's tough. We've had the draft. We've got the schedule, which we're pumped about, which at the OBR we're going to host a show tomorrow for the schedule release and talk about that. Uh, but there's, you know, there's still things to try to talk about, and we got to figure it out. And I'm new to this everyday podcast thing, and I probably suck at it, and you guys probably make fun of me. But whatever. I'm trying. We'll figure out some topics in this dry month. But um, – couple of quick reminders. Like I said, schedule release show will be tomorrow, which we're excited about. I hope you guys can join us live for that. We'll go live for a couple hours and talk about it and break down opponents and do some fun stuff. And then a reminder of the great deal we have at the OBR, $1 for your first month. And uh, that gives you an opportunity to check us out, see if you think we're worth it. And, you know, the the, the podcast is obviously uh, always craving those likes, subscribing, sharing, nice reviews, all that stuff. If you could do that, we always appreciate it. So, uh, pretty pumped about our guest. We have not had, listen, I wouldn't be the first to admit I've not had enough female voices on my show. There are some fantastic Cleveland female voices in this whole industry that need to be respected and brought to light. And I wanted to do that. And I'm going to continue doing that as much as I possibly can. Brittany Mollis, you know her at Bird's Eye View on Twitter. She does fantastic work. She covers the Browns for Heavy.com, among some other places. You were, that's what B said, co-host. You founded the co-founder of the Cleveland Girls Gang. Like you tell Tell everybody where they can find all your stuff, first of all. Jake, if they follow you, they probably have me blocked. So, <laughs> I so, listen. I don't think that's true, but yeah. um, I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm not much of a film breakdown kind of girl, and that's sort of your thing. And you, a lot of times, we'll quote you on the show because you make us sound a lot smarter than we actually are. So, thank you for that. Uh, well, I appreciate it, but that that's I guess that's my one thing. I have one thing in life I'm good at, and, and I guess just talking about the X's and O's are the one thing that I'm pretty good at. So uh, I will take the one compliment because, you know, I'm, I'm, I struggle. I, I tell my wife I had to mow the yard before we came on here, and there are not many things I'm good at. I'm terrible at DIY. <laughs> I'm terrible at mowing grass. I try, but, but the film breakdown stuff's where I'm comfortable. And that's what I want to talk to you about, which is – how this all originated, the the idea for the girls gang Cleveland thing, the whole thing came about. That's what be said, um, you know, as, as, as people have started, I, it's taken off. You guys have great, great viewership and, and it's good content. And I want you to kind of tell, tell everybody where it came from and, 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 and where to find it and make sure everyone's uh, checking it out. Yeah. So um, me, Bree at Breezy Clee and Meredith, MK on sports, we we started that to be said about like a year and a half ago, I want to say. And it all became a thing because we just saw a need for more female voices in, in the Cleveland sports world. Um, you know, just talking about sports, 
we have a good time every week. We laugh a lot. We have fun, thoughtful conversations about, you know, the Browns, Cavs, baseball team. They're actually on my TV right now for like the first <laughs> time in two weeks. I can't watch them. I can't find them on TV anywhere. So good for you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you don't have Bally. What is it? The Bally channel? That's Which that's I, what it is, right? Yeah. I thought that was a fitness company. I, I apparently so not I the TV channel. So, yeah, that's where I'm at with it. But uh, yeah, so you know, we, every week we're doing a show tonight, um, and then Bree and I have moved over to the the Facebook platform a little bit. We're working with Heavy now to do a weekly live episode, um, so we're having a lot of fun with it. It's a good time. Very, it's very cool. I think you guys are doing a great job, and I think there are a ton of increasing, really, really good female voices that that need to be, um, you know, need to be highlighted and and just need to be people that just cover the team. Doesn't matter about you yeah. know your your your. your orientation or anything just people covering the team and i wanted to make sure to do a better job at that and i want to talk to you about jok because you and i shared a mutual love for this guy i know you're a notre dame fan that's fine yes i'm i'm a neutral I'm in, <laughs> I'm in columbus i'm not a buck nut i'm not a crazy ohio state person i'm more neutral neutral about college football i love notre dame's tradition and um i'm gonna throw up some stuff that i've cut up from him on here but just tell everybody what you love about him and were you as stunned as i was that they found a way to land this guy at pick 52 Oh my gosh, that night was just a blur. I first of all, I didn't think that he would drop that far. Um, you know, I think everyone was shocked by that. But when he leading up to that, you know, the couple of weeks before that, there was this Twitter beef going on between fans who wanted, you know, linebacker, not even linebacker, just specifically Jeremiah Owusu Kormo, and then fans that wanted you know, something else. They wanted the Browns going in a different direction. So there was a lot of buildup for it. And then, you know, for me personally, because I wanted him so badly, when they took Newsom at 26, I was admittedly pretty distraught. <laughs> and then the next, everyone's like, no, Britt, they can still do it. They can still do it. I was like, guys, he's going to be gone by like 33, 35. Like, there's not a chance. And then he just kept falling and falling. And I was like, all right, there's a chance. And then when I saw the trade up, I just could not the whole night afterwards i was just floating around in my own little world super happy <laughs> and you know what jake i think i'm still in that place i think most of us are i'll be honest with you there's there's no reason not to love it i mean you could argue with me about the value at 26 maybe um mm. but but when he started to fall i would have been more than fine and when i did mock drafts recently i took him at 26 and i was happy with the pick and even thought they'd have to move up if they really wanted to get him so when he kept falling and we, you know, sometimes at the OBR, my, my good friend Brown's mock draft, Stephen Thomas does a great job with this stuff. He started to peg like, Hey, 41, 42, 43 area. If he's there, they could call. And it was really neat. Mm -hmm. Cause we watched the building the Browns and Dee Podesta, who was an, a noted genius was saying the same things. And we're like, Oh my God, we were right. And, and that's really cool that like they knew they wanted him to, and they couldn't believe that he was hanging around, hanging around, hanging around. And they went up and got him. And we had a live show that we were on that night and it was just a three, three dudes just pumping fists in the air. Like it was just extremely excited. Like I could say that's probably the most excited I've been since they picked Baker. Like I just was really yes. into them making the decision for Baker Mayfield. And that's kind of the aura of JOK. Like as you're watching him play, you obviously watch every Notre Dame game every Saturday. I don't, sure. I can't say that I do that. I'm no, I'm notable. No, I know their players for the most part. Like I want Michael Mayer to find his way to Cleveland in a couple of years. I'm sure you know him. Like oh, yeah. there, there are guys that I really like there, but I didn't watch every game. So like is JOK's, first few years are happening are you like man this guy's really really good or was there like a 
huge emergence this year of, oh, this guy's completely changing the scope of games. Like we're seeing in this clip here, taking a pitch and just taking it, peeling it from the running back and running it back to the house. Like, is that the kind of thing you you, you saw as a Notre Dame fan? Or like, I'm just curious because Ohio State people have a feeling like we knew Chris Olave was going to be really good really early. Was there that feeling around JOK? No, honestly, not until this year. Like, and then all of a sudden he's just getting all kinds of attention and people are starting to notice and you see how explosive he is. And, um, he's kind of a force on the field and, you know, let's all, I'm, I'm ha finally happy that all Browns fans are getting along on this one. This is all I've ever wanted. And can we talk about how Andrew Berry's made everyone happy with this draft? Like everyone. I'll say Andrew Berry gets bonus points because he's, he went out in later rounds and picked a Michigan player last year. We know there's a contingent of Browns fans that are Michigan followers, so poor mm -hmm. souls. It's been a struggle for them, and I'm not saying that as somebody who hates Michigan. I want them to be competitive, and they just have not been. But there are a lot of Michigan people. Then he goes and gets Tommy Togiai after JOK, and it's like you get the trifecta of Notre Dame, Michigan, Ohio State, and it's like, man, this guy just really gets it. Maybe that's It's yeah. probably 90%. Uh, not 90%, 99% just the way we like these guys. But it's just kind of funny to sit there and talk about these guys and be like, okay, he went and got the people that everybody loves. But I was blown away. And I listen, I've talked to multiple people about this. I talked to Brad Ward about it the other day. I talked to Steven last night about building the Browns. I'm curious of your takeaways. Like, is do you think if we would have watched uh, Freddie Kitchens based behind the scenes with John Dorsey, we were going to get that type of camaraderie? Like, I just feel like they're – when I, when I was up there covering Freddie for that year and I talked to Todd Monken and I was talking to different people, I just did not notice that there was any respect for Freddie. Just as a general leadership thing, I didn't notice that. But it seems completely different. Would you agree that it just seemed like a bunch of guys that genuinely love being around each other, like Joe Woods running in, dancing in, in Stefanski's office when they made the – like that kind of thing? Do you get that vibe too? Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that we talked about on our show like a long time ago when they were going through the whole coaching and, you know, GM search. And we said, you know, the number one thing that they have to get right, absolute have to get right is to get this franchise. In we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Inside an organizational, organizational alignment where everyone's on the same page. You know, you had this war between football guys and analytics guys and, the, you know, the exhausting discourse around that. But we said they need to, to get two people that, that have the same goal and are going to take the same exact steps to get there. And we finally have that. And you saw in that last episode of Voting the Browns, 
you know, when Kevin Stefanski, uh, after they drafted Schwartz, he's walking down the hall and he's like, yeah, stay in there, Joe. And like, they're just like joking and having a good time. And it seems like these guys genuinely like each other, which is just so refreshing. It is. And what, what drew me in is like, you, there's a race. There has been a race in the past from, from, you know, I don't think John Dorsey was the biggest attention hound, but he had an own personal uniform and his own personal sweatshirt and his shoes. And like, he didn't mind attention on him. And I think that these guys are ultimate, like, I don't want attention. If you want to talk to Paul DePodesta for 10 minutes of this show, talk to him. We don't care if he gets a majority of the credit for the draft. Like we don't care because we just want the Browns to win. And that is, it, it, listen, we give Jimmy and D Haslam a lot of crap and deservedly so for a long time of never figuring this out. But it, 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 they could have given up on this analytic driven idea as they brought in John Dorsey and said, we're never going back to it. We are just mm-hmm. never going back to this. But they kept Paul involved. They found people that would genuinely include one of the smartest sports minds ever and, and include him in this process, make him a big part of this whole thing. And now they're reaping the benefits of understanding that he can help them. And they're, they're all genuinely unified in the process. And it's like, okay, when your coordinators have bought into your head coach's belief, and I just have said this and I'll say it again, like it's, it, they didn't lose a single person in the coaching staff or the front office. It, it's rare because some guys are just angling to get out. How do I get out of here and find another place where I can start fresh? And they see that Kevin and Andrew are the ticket for them to get places. Like if I stick with these guys, I know for a fact I can get a job somewhere else bigger than where I'm currently at. That's never happened. How many coaches have you just seen disappear or front office guys have you just seen disappear? Scouts, it didn't happen. They all want to be involved in this place. And when you have a trickle down from your head coach, well, I should start at the top from, 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 from Jimmy D Haslam down to the general manager, to the head coach and trickles down to your coordinators. And then all the position coaches, like it was really cool to watch. D, or, or D Podesta walk in and, and dap it up and love it up with the DB coach when they pick Greg New. Like yes. he might, he shouldn't know Paul D Podesta, but he's so involved that he does. Like it's an awesome thing to me. So all of that stuff is extremely unique. I loved your perspective on it. I think it's the right perspective because it's rare. And I'll, I'll kind of pivot to this because we're running down to our last 10 minutes and it's a topic that I really want to talk about, which is, mm-hmm. In your opinion, and and I'll talk about some of the things I think about, is this the most hyped Browns football season we'll have ever seen? Schedule comes out tomorrow. It'll get kind of crazy around conversation about that schedule. But is this the most hyped Browns football season we've ever seen since the 80s, for example? Or maybe 94, we'll say. Um, So I feel like no. And okay. a lot of okay. that has to do with the culture of the Cleveland Browns right now, where, you know, you have a calm, smart leader, actually two, uh, Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski, and, and really that whole staff, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have these calm people at the top who I don't think let the players get too excited or too hyped up or, you know, feed into their own egos too much. I think the year, what was it, two thousand. 19 mm-hmm. going into yeah going into that season yep. um and that was with freddie kitchens and john dorsey there and uh you know baker and obj i think that was probably the most hyped that fans had been in a very long time that tennessee game opener was wild that was the most humbling <laughs> that was the most humbling experience of our lifetimes i think that tennessee game but yeah like for me 
I think that's when it started, and that was probably when it was at its peak, like the hype of the Cleveland Browns. And I'm I'm glad that it, it seems like we've all sort of learned our lesson from that one. Larry, you're right. I should say on your comment, I am too young to remember 94. I was five years old. But I do remember watching it. I don't have any clue, recollection of it, but I remember being in the living room with my dad watching it. Now, the, the teams that were really hyped were the – the obviously the late eighties, mid to late eighties versions who were, who were legitimate Super Bowl contenders and should have found themselves in one and perhaps won one. I guess where I'm coming from, I think the leading contenders would be 94 uh, because of Bill Belichick and where they were going uh, in 99. Obviously they come back. It's you didn't know if they were ever going to come back. And I was very aware of how crazy it was. They were coming back, but I'll say the same token. They were, we knew they were going to be terrible. We just, they're cool. It's cool. They're back. This is awesome. But remember the feeling after week one when Pittsburgh beat them, like, you know, I can't remember, it was 41 nothing or something like that. And Browns had like one or two first downs on the entire evening. So I think 2008 was a very exciting season. You know, they had come off of, uh, they had come off of 10 and six and, and were really excited, but they also didn't make the playoffs the year before. And it was a little bit of phoniness there with Romeo Cornell and was Derek Anderson, a flash in the pan guy. And, and we obviously saw that Braylon Edwards was never the same player. So then I think 2008 was very comparable. You're right. 2019, everybody was pumped. But when you look back on it now, you're like, that was kind of fool's gold because yes. they didn't play anybody very good on that five and three stretched in the season. And we got, you know, hooked on the hooked in the mouth there by Freddie and believing that he was going to be better than what he actually turned out. I should have believed the stories that the people at the senior bowl told me about him at Veets at a, a local bar right after he was hired. It all kind of adds up now. now wait a second though. When he was hired, were you like all about it? Was he your guy for that coaching search? Of course. And like, I heard the Kevin Stefanski name and I'm like, I don't really get it. I don't know why they would be interested. Nobody. There were very few people against hiring Freddie and that's nobody's fault. There's nobody's fault in that because um, we only knew that Freddie could really dial up offense and the players loved him and he was doing all these innovative schemes and there's no reason to be a, uh, like going back and being like, ha, you were wrong about Freddie or any of that yeah. because there was no other real candidate at that time. The only other guy that they seriously considered, not even Josh McDaniels, they seriously considered, um, Stefanski, which is he the only guy that I thinking back on it right now, he was the only guy I remember hearing got a second interview. So mm-hmm. um, at the time I'm like, okay, I, th- I think he took over. He had taken over as the end of season. They had fired a guy. Um, he was with Cleveland as a quarterback coach with McCown and his name is escaping me. John DiFilippo. They had fired him yeah. in Minnesota. He took over the last few games Stefanski did, but he hadn't been in OC like a full season. So I was like, this seems a little premature, but maybe they really like this dude. And like, okay, a year later, they really like the dude and he's really good. So, you know, I don't think anybody was wrong. Were you like all in on Freddie at that time too? I sort of was at the point where I just trusted whatever. I was like, okay, yeah. like, you know, John Dorsey's made some good moves. Okay, And Freddie, kind of like you, I was like, there's not enough bad against this guy to say, oh no, this is terrible. You know what I mean? There just wasn't yeah. enough there. So yeah, like I, I was cool with Freddie when they first hired him, and but it quickly, I think we all learned what was happening. <laughs> We're like, man, this guy's yeah. gotta go. Yeah, I, I remember being there, and I talked earlier about asking uh, Todd Monk, and then I was like, hey man, are you in the box? You're not calling plays, but like, do you know what you're doing? Have you guys communicated? It was like right before the first preseason game. He's like, yeah, we haven't talked about it yet, but we'll get there. I was like. <laughs> 
this is probably not going to end well. It was because his answer was like, yeah, we probably should be talking about it, but we haven't talked about it yet. But yeah, that, that 19 team was, was certainly uh, a level of, of fool's gold that we all been into. And I think I will say, and I'll ask you this question is 19 and the way it shook out the ultimate lesson for this year's version. Is it a good thing that 19 happened for what's coming in 2021? I'd say yes, because like I said, I think everyone, whether it be the players, you know, the the whole staff over there, fans, everyone sort of learned a lesson that beginning of that season, you know, the, all the hype leading up to that season, we all sort of said, okay, it's, we need to not start with our foot on the gas here. Let's just back it up and let things play out a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I think everyone learned a little bit from that year. I, I would say, too, they they have to, and I think that they all have admitted as much. Even Nick Chubb, who doesn't talk to his mom or dad, has said as much on a local radio show. So it's like, you know, the guys who don't, they, 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 they thought it was just going to happen for them, and it was the mm-hmm. ultimate wake-up for Baker, who's admitted as much, and all of them. So um, it, it should be a really invaluable lesson going into this year, and it's just to me, like, I think for so long we've pretended our, to, to, to talk ourselves into this is how the team can get there. This is how they could win the, the, to get to the playoffs. And now even last year I would say, and you correct me if I'm wrong, we were talking ourselves into how they could even get to the Super Bowl. But we knew deep down like this defense is not good enough to get them to the Super Bowl. They fought their yeah. butts off and they won a game we didn't expect. But we, we really knew deep down that they weren't going to be Super Bowl contenders. But you you tell me your opinion here. I think there's a real chance for them to be every bit as good as Buffalo and Kansas City in this in this conference. And even and we shouldn't get ahead of ourselves here. They haven't won the division in a long time. Like, do you dr- truly believe that this is enough? What they've done is enough to to get to the spot that we all think they can go. Yeah, absolutely. I think they were a good football team last year. The problem was that they had to score like 30 points a game to even stay in these games because the defense was, and I'm not saying it wasn't Joe Woods' fault. It wasn't necessarily the defense's fault. There were a lot of injuries, you know, throughout the whole season. It was a weird season with COVID and there was a lot that, that went wrong, but they still had a winning record. They still made it to the playoffs. They were, you know, game away from making it to the Super Bowl. So they did very well, even with limited defense. So Andrew Barry had this in his mind. He's like, okay, this offseason I'm just going to attack and fill our defense with with every possible thing that it needs. And you know what, Jake? He did it. So now you look at this team that already had a pretty decent offense, didn't have all that many glaring holes on that, with a completely revamped defense. And, I mean, what, what more do you want? So, yeah, I'd say they're in that conversation 100%. And I will say – that a lot of people and some people in the comments are saying it too. It's a, it's a theory, I believe, and it's all on paper right now, which is fine. I agree. It's all on paper. But you don't see teams win the Super Bowl who aren't good on paper. It's just Thank a fact you. of the matter. Now, yes. there are teams that will fold. Who will, the Injuries will happen. The, 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 the coaching doesn't work out, the scheme, whatever. But you got to look good on paper to win Super Bowls. You ultimately need talent. And for the first time since they have returned in 20, 20 years now, 21, 22 years now, they have the paper talent to win a Super Bowl. We'll see if Absolutely. that comes to fruition. Brittany Moss, this was a hell of a time. I know you got to go. You got your own podcast to do. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you for having me, Jake. Of course, of course. All right, guys, we are going to uh, uh, check in tomorrow with our draft, our schedule release. I've said draft seventy-two times. Huge thank you to Brittany for joining us. It was very last second. She crushed it. She's great. Make sure you're listening to all of her content. 
checking out everything that they are doing at That's What B Said and more and her coverage at Heavy. We appreciate you guys for joining us. If you stuck around after the last show, um, you know, if, if you stuck around after OBR Weekly, I really appreciate that. So, again, thank you guys. We will have more expanded coverage throughout the week. Again, we'll check in tomorrow night. Join us at about 7 o'clock. I'll let you know that official time here in a little bit. As usual, go Browns. Go Browns.